Hello, welcome to episode number 139 of the Nerd Pro Quote Podcast. We are back after a two-week hiatus. Uh, like I said, it's going to be like this probably for the duration of the summer. But because there was a two-week break, there's some stuff that happened, a bunch of stuff that happened. So there is a there's going to be two consecutive episodes now and then probably another two-week break. We'll see what happens, but like I said, uh, probably for the duration of the summer, or at least until midway through August, probably going to be kind of like this, like two episodes, and then a week off, and then an episode, and then another week off, and then we'll, we'll see what happens. A lot of movies are coming out, there's going to be a lot of podcasts coming out, the guests are probably going to be, all the guest podcasts are probably going to be coming out probably near the end of August, the beginning of September. A lot of things that are going on that I will not get into yet. We'll see how the next couple of weeks go. But this is our Spider-Man Homecoming review with uh, Eve and Rich coming into review Spider-Man Homecoming. And then next week is our big San Diego Comic-Con movie preview uh, where we go over basically all of the movie previews that we care about that came out of San Diego Comic-Con this past weekend. So that's going to be next week, and this week is Spider-Man Homecoming. What are the plugs? Let's see. Well, uh, every Tuesday, at least for the next couple of weeks, on True TV, you can watch Abby Crutchfield and Matt Lukowski. God, I always get his last name wrong. One of these days, I will get his last name right. But uh, you can watch that every Tuesday night on True TV at 10.30 p.m. You can do better. Go check that out. Let's see. What else? I believe Living Room Comedy Show is still happening every Friday at 8 p.m. at the Postmark Cafe, although they often do take the summers off. But I don't know. I mean, what can it hurt? Go to the Postmark Cafe on a Friday night at 8 p.m. And even if there isn't a comedy show, go visit that coffee shop because it's a cool, you know, chill little coffee shop. Go do that anyway. Uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, my God, 6th Street between 4th and 5th. Avenue in Park Slope, Brooklyn. The Bower Poetry Club open mic is still Sundays at 8.30. That is, I believe, a $12 cover as hosted by Mason Granger. Go check that out. Uh, for the first week of August, all of the poetry stuff is pretty much, generally speaking, not happening because the National Poetry Slam is happening. I, bl- I can't even remember where it is because I'm so out of loop on these things. In any event some live show stuff probably coming up before the end of the summer and i think that is it honestly for the plugs oh the paypal link won't be going up this might be going up this week or next week so keep an eye out on nerdproco.com for the little donation button where you can either you know click to donate uh, as little I'm going to say as little as a dollar it really helps uh, keep this podcast going because some of the costs of trying to do this and making the time has been taking its toll as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago in a please help us site so that keep an eye on the nerdparkquo.com also going to be tweeting all the time now live tweeting 
let's see, at NerdPurkle on Twitter, now live tweeting Preacher, which I will be discussing later. There is a Doctor Who episode that's going to be happening with Elio Lucero coming soon. Going to be talking about the new Doctor who is a woman. We're, who is a woman. We will be discussing that. Like I said, keep an eye on uh, at NerdPurkle on Twitter. There's going to be a lot of live tweeting of Game of Thrones, live tweeting of Pe- uh, Preacher, and some other cool like offers and giveaways honestly because i have a lot of stuff to give away and because the live show isn't happening for a while we're going to be giving out some stuff from you know loot crate and just stuff we've accumulated over the months and years so yeah keep an eye on at nerdproquo on twitter tweet at us whatever you want and as always if you dig this podcast even though it's been coming out intermittently hit subscribe leave a review on itunes it does help us i won't even mention the youtube thing because the youtube channel for the time being is going to be a little bit at least i again until the end of the summer that will probably be there will probably be nothing on there for the time being just because a lot of stuff is in flux but in the meantime enjoy this episode episode number 139 of the nerd pro podcast our spider-man homecoming review better late than never yep and there we are oh yo everybody what the hell is it? All right. I, 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 I was doing do you want the stand? Mm. Do you want the stand? Does anybody want the stand? I, I, I'll use it. I mean, you, I could okay. stand while I speak. It's just... I. That wasn't funny. That was not funny. And you can keep it at the same... There you go. Now you're at like the same distance. And I just... You know what it was? Why well, I didn't want to... I just wanted why? to lean back on the couch. Oh, that's basically okay. Why. Oh, that's so we're a little late mm. on this, but uh, we're, we're... I mean, there's stuff that's recent, very recent that we're going to be talking about, but, but mostly Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, Which was fucking awesome. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was so good. I, I actually want to. You know those movies that you see and they're really good, but you feel like you want to see it again because you want to make sure that you weren't. Because I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I've been definitely been guilty of seeing movies that I thought were the. And I, I really don't think Spider-Man: Homecoming is this because I genuinely think it was a great movie. But I always get a little scared that there's something about that first experience that could be really positive and if you see yeah. it again yeah. the yeah. second time around arrival was that for me i thought really? arrival was great deep and then upon second viewing i thought it was pretty shallow uh i disagree and i i had the opposite effect i had a greater appreciation of arrival the, the second, second time, time around I really i mean it's not a perfect film i'll i'll give you that it's not and it it doesn't neatly tie things up in the end as it as it means to but the i still had a greater appreciation of some of the themes that were introduced throughout and the concepts of just just the meta concepts yeah. throughout uh, godzilla 1997 the matthew broderick one i loved it the first time around and I think it was just like the excitement of seeing it. I think I saw it like opening night and it was really? just kind of like, cause I was super excited about it and I loved it the first time. And then the second time, I think I saw it with you probably with rich 
and I was so excited. I was like, oh, I you're going to love yeah, this. You're I remember love us this. being like super pumped because it was like the first Godzilla in a very, yeah, very, yeah. very long time. And I was really excited. I was like hyping it up to you guys. And then that second time around, I was like, oh, wait, this movie is not good. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you saying this too. It was like, yeah, not. Nah, it's nah. not as good the second time around. I think I might have been like, yeah. But Spider-Man Homecoming, so many. Feels. So many good things. Well, uh. The number one, and a lot of people have been saying this, of why I think this one works so much, uh, and we will discuss the kind of whether this is the best Spider-Man discussion. Yeah, because uh, I have I've got a lot of feels for Spider-Man too. But continue. Yeah, I just I was it's been on cable. I've been I've watched it again, and there's definitely a lot of a lot of feels there. Uh, is that if you take all of the Spider-Man elements out of it, yeah, it's still a pretty good like teenage high school movie that's the best part of it you know (laughs) peter parker being a teenager you know that's what i appreciated about this film it's like it's got a hint of those classic 80s you know high school films that undergo it's like i'm rooting for you but you suck i know it but you're gonna get the girl eventually i I enjoyed that aspect and that's and that's what homecoming does so well is that especially coming from seeing Spider-Man briefly in Civil War and the grand scale of what that movie was. Mm-hmm. It was a you know, group of heroes who were really involved in Say a Say glo- what you mean, Avenger, Avengers Light. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, basically. And we're in a full global scale conflict. And then this movie brings it back home in a much smaller scale. And you you're not sure, okay, well, how is this going to work? How is it going to fit in, in the greater scope of things of that Marvel has been leading up to? And it works wonderfully well because it, like Eve mentioned, it just brings you, it takes you back to high school. And this is where uh, Tom Holland excels at, I think, in this, in this movie, is that he... he genuinely portrays a 15-year-old kid in high Him school. Him and his buddy, his best friend. And his best friend, that, yes. That interaction that do- between yeah. those two, that's just, that's just perfect. That's what yeah. really propelled the non-Spider-Man segments, you know, because uh, I am that fat kid. You know, it's like, come on, I want to wear the mask. Come yeah. on, you have to use your powers to get the girl. I mean, I would definitely And that's the thing. That. It's a, a lot of things in this movie felt very genuine and... Uh, and fun. It brought it brought the fun into film, and it 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 really it Remember kind of put Sony? you as a as a viewer. It it puts you back into those days where you know you would play around in the playground pretending to be your favorite superhero. That was that movie. So, also some really interesting, and I didn't even think about this until someone brought it up as like Spider Man in a modern context, is that. In the past, he's been in high school or whatever, and because of when the character was created and he's out in Queens, there's definitely that kind of uh, the trope of like the jock or flashes of a jock in the previous films and also in the history of, uh, of mm-hmm. Spider-Man is that, you know, Peter is the nerd and Flash is the jock and that's why Flash picks on him. And it's interesting because in a modern context in new york in queens if he especially based on the school 
that he's supposed to be going to. It's essentially like, you know, uh, almost like where we went to high school, like environmental studies, where yeah. it's like one of those side schools where you don't, the whole jock versus nerd thing it's doesn't really exist. Yeah. And so in order to make that work, they had the, the flash, the number one, the fact that he's a brown man was a very interesting Why choice. is that? No, I don't mean that in a negative way. I just think that it was just like, just like that that's who that guy is in this school. Yeah. Like I thought that, and the fact that it's like, he instead of a sports team, it's like a science decathlon, <laughs> and he's the jock of the science decathlon. Have you seen? I thought it was all like, like that's so. Have I you, thought all of that was awesome. That it was so cool. Have like, you seen Twenty One Jump Street the the remake? Yeah, it's just like that. It's like these jocks. They're not. They don't. They don't exist anymore. You know yeah. the, what's cool nowadays is the super nerd. The but also, trendy, I mean, they, they ne- exist, but they don't exist in a place like New York yeah. in Queens, no. like in, in a school like that. You know. And I also yeah. feel like, I, like I didn't even think about it, and then I was listening to like I think it might have it might have been Fan Bros, it might have been some other podcast where they were talking about how they restructured. It was just like no the the like elite people in this school environment would be the really smart kids yeah. who would be like they're, they're, those are the alphas like yeah. and they well the, smart but with another edge to it you know? and yeah we, and, and in, in our high school we came across a lot of those that were like super smart and were sort of arrogant about yeah their but but there was also there was something it's interesting because people, you know, it's high school, so people divide into cliques where, yeah. wherever they are. Right. But it's interesting how, I mean, irrespective of this movie, just how even in that environment, even though you don't have literal jocks and nerds, the school still kind of divides into in a weird hierarchy. sort of jock and nerd hierarchy. <laughs> well, the cool, I wouldn't say jock and nerd, but... The, the, the cool the kids, cool yeah, kids yeah. and the one yeah. who are low in the totem pole, or I think that's offensive nowadays, bottom of the rung, you know, of the class in the school. You know, the really cool kids and those kids who can't even sniff the ass of the really cool girl right. in, the, um, in the school. Also, also, I mean, as far as when I brought up that Flash is played by a brown man, it's just like, dude, it's Queens. Yeah. That's what Queens, a school in Queens, should look yeah. like. Yeah, exactly. I, like I, that's one of the things that Jackson I never Heights. really thought of. Yeah. Like, and it wasn't even until someone brought it up in like another podcast. Oh my god, it's early. Do you want to go get that? Oh no, no, no! I have to go get that. Okay, I'm gonna press stop. Okay, we're back. We took a pizza break. We weren't expecting a pizza. <laughs> from oh, so I soon. hit the spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally breaking. Complete and other break in the in the momentum. It's going to be a really interesting edit. So, yeah, um, we were talking about how this movie captures a new type of bullying, you know, where it's not the typical jocks that are pushing around Peter Parker. It's just like this super cool, smart kid, you know, but he's just a bully in a different way. And also the fact that the school is actually diverse and actually looks like a... A school that would not only be, be in Queens. not only be in New York City, but especially would be in Queens. yeah, yeah. It just didn't yeah. dawn on me his background and Queens yeah, and that yeah. connection. It didn't dawn on me until you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, it literally, I had a moment when I was watching it, like even before I heard someone else bring it up, and I was like, oh my god, it actually looks like a 
the way high school, even when, like, even 10, 15, God. No, it, because no, it is. Almost 20 years ago because now? Because that part is in you're Queens. Old. We're old. Yeah, we're old. <laughs> actually, I had was, you guys are going to laugh, but I was having this conversation with my barber, who's a, actually a, cute, a huge movie buff and comic geek. And I was kind of, I was telling him, my only gripe with this movie is that uh, some, of the, some of the scenes are not, you can tell they're not authentically shot in Queens. Oh, some yeah. Oh, are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some, some are. are, definitely. Like Queens Boulevard and some Forest Hills scenes and all that. You know. But he actually told me, yeah, but that high school, that's Queens. I'm like, what are you Which talking about? Which high school about? is that? I'm like, what, what high school is that? Because I was trying to figure it out. He's like, yeah, that's the old LIC high school. That's the old Long Island City high school, according to him. And actually, it, yeah, it, it, I think the it exterior is. of the building? It's not the new Long Island City. It, it, nowadays, that building is known as Newcomers High School, if I'm not mistaken. But the exterior is definitely the old LIC high school in Long Island City. The, what they worked into, so one of the scenes it, earlier in the movie, Peter Parker gets off the train, mm-hmm. the, el- the elevated train, which is the end train. Mm-hmm. But they worked that into the movie because if you go to LIC, the old LIC site, it's close to the train, but there's no exit in front of it. So I think they worked out that exit in front of the school. But sure enough, that school is... Real queens. I mean, the suburbia looked very felt. It's it's weird how they can't like suburbia when you think New York, but like suburbia. I mean, if you go out to like Flushing and stuff, that's suburbia. Yeah. But that being said, it's kind of hard unless you're actually shooting it there to fake East Coast and all the suburbia that I saw. I mean, not to say that there aren't houses that look like that out in Queens and out in especially Staten Island, but it's just like, oh, that's West Coast looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, some scenes like the 21st Street stop, you know, that's not a real, that's not a real R or F train stop. I mean, rather, that's not an R or M local train stop. There is a station with that name but that's not the way it was portrayed in the movie although although to be fair it's still better and as much like i said as much as i love the movie and i do love the movie uh spider-man 2 there's no fucking train that looks like that at all in new york city yeah yeah Yeah, i mean something you gotta that ends in the street that like ends like that yeah yeah, there's nothing like that in new york city (laughs) <laughs> but for the most part, it's, it's uh, the 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 spirit of Queens is really well portrayed in in this one, which is yeah. is nice. It's got a good New York vibe to it, authentic totally. New York vibe. Totally. Um, so it captures a lot of the youth, which parallels with what's happening in the Ultimate comics with Miles Morales they because they focus a lot, a lot yeah. the, in terms of you know focusing on the kid being in high school, the best buddy. All that is from <clears throat> Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, which was a great take because, I mean, the modern take of having Sp- Peter Parker being in college or being a struggling reporter, eh, it's been done to death. Although, J.K. Simmons would have been welcome, in my opinion. Yeah. In my opinion. He was one of the best parts I mean, we'll talk about this a little trilogy. later, a little later, but, uh, you know, they're shifting him. Uh, once again, in a comic book movie where he's playing Gordon. Uh, yeah, yeah, in the but Justice we can, League. We can, we can discuss yeah, that later. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll discuss that a little later. Yeah. Um, what do we think of Laura Harrier? Uh, you know, who, who, as Liz Allen. Which actually, I predicted the twist in it because spoilers. We're going to talk about like some of the spoilers. Yeah. I not right away, but I definitely like before the reveal of that. I was just like, oh, it's gonna because it's very Spider Man. Like, if you don't know about the Spider-Man, it's always ends up being somebody he knows. Yeah. Like, that's so, that's so much part of, no, like, Spider-Man. Like, like, you know, the Green Goblin is, is Norman Osborn, and he's friends with Harry, and Harry is, you know, Norman's kid. Yeah. Uh, Doc, <clears throat> Dr. Octopus is, in the movies, he's more close. In the comic books, Doc Ock is more of his, like, his own thing. But it's always been part of the Spider-Man mythos that, like, so much of what always ends up messing him up is always, like, the hardest things are, like, the villains that he has to defeat are in some way related to someone or are, like, literally are someone he is close to. Yeah. Uh, I did not see that one coming because I did not bother. I, I do a good job avoiding the internet. Avoiding getting yeah. spoiled with movies, yeah. so I didn't know I either. Knew Mary Jane was in this ish, but I, watching the, the film, I had no idea who she was supposed to be. I thought it was just she was. Just and they be even this crush they, that what's interesting is they even. I mean, they they give her. I mean, they give. Uh, she's Michelle. Yeah. In the movie, uh, uh, played by oh god, I'm drawing a blank on her name. She has one of those one names. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know who you mean. Which one? The I know who you mean. One who ends up being I only know MJ? Laura. Yeah, I only know Laura Harrier because Hold like up. Hold I recently up. listened to like an interview. Just keep going. Her, I'll so look it up because yeah. it's gonna really bother me. Yeah, and they call her MJ in it, you know. So, which is kind of like a nod, but they never really say that she's Mary Jane. They might get into that in the later. Yeah. But that's also very Ultimate Spider-Man because. Mary Jane in Ultimate Spider-Man is not the Mary Jane from the original comic book. She's also kind of a dork-like outsider in Dark, Ultimate Spider-Man. angry of the world. I love that aspect of that yeah. character. Just being an outsider. Um, yeah, yeah. I didn't see that one coming. Um, I'm familiar with the Ultimate line of comics, but I've never read Ultimate Spider-Man. I just mm -hmm. knew it pulled a lot from you know the death of Spider-Man and Miles Morales taking over, and I know he had a best friend. The whole best friend feature in the film pulls exactly what's happening that's, with Miles that's Morales. His, yeah. um, Although you comics. had an interesting theory that, uh, that the nephew of... It is. The nephew of setting uh, up the breadcrumbs, man. Of uh, oh god, the, the Donald, uh, Donald Glover's Donald Glover. Donald Glover's character when he t when he tells him, he's just like, yeah, yeah, I don't, you know, I'm I'm a criminal, but I don't want these kinds of weapons. It's yeah. like I got a nephew who lived it, and you were like, no, that's Miles, yeah. and I was just, and then like I thought I was like, oh, and then it might not be, but then I thought about like, oh, no, isn't like his uncle in 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 that. Yeah, it's his dad's ultimate, brother. Yeah. It's his dad's brother who's yeah. kind of the criminal in it. Yeah. I don't okay. know the name of that character. I don't either a, because he's it's just like a regular it's not the spoiler. No, that's Shocker. No, no, not Shocker. It's a different uh thief in the Spider Man mythos oh. that is related to Miles Morales. Um I, oh. Yeah, and it and it's it's his dad's yeah. brother. And and then when you said that I was just like, Oh shit, yeah, that might and I think if I'm not mistaken, Kevin Feige or somebody involved with it 
uh, had already like if by accident and it's I don't think they're ever by accident anymore when someone even if, when it seems like it's by accident no it's a little bit breadcrumbs they've already kind of like confirmed there's like no I mean they probably won't ever they're not gonna kill him off I don't think Peter Parker but they're like no Miles Morales exists in this new universe maybe not kill well it depends on his contract uh, Tom Holland's character yeah, yeah. contract with uh, Disney so they're gonna milk him as much as possible and w- once his contract expires guess what they have the breadcrumbs where they can establish yeah. a new Spider-Man to take over and they've already I forget where I read this and we can go on the internet and we can find out what it is uh, it starts with an S her name by the way give me a minute uh <laughs> Uh, it's really odd how, like, in episodes now, Rich, you've become, like, the official Googler. <laughs> Google the, No, it starts with a Z. It's Zendaya. Zendaya. Okay, okay. okay. She was great. And apparently, uh, according to Laura, Laura Harrier, uh, when I was listening to an interview with her on Fan Bros, I've become a big Fan Bros fan, by the way. Uh, I always give them shout-outs now. They're actually, I met them in person a couple days ago, mm-hmm. and they're, they're, like, all of them are really cool people. The people who host... The main show and the people who host the 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 women who host the anime show that they do are all like totally awesome people. Just sidebar, um, Laura Harrier was saying that Zendaya actually is almost exactly like her character. We're really? like just like hanging out and giving people shit, <laughs> like when they mess stuff up and being kind of snarky. Not in like not in like a like a like oh we like you're you're an asshole kind of way. You know, Playful. but but kind of in that like, oh, okay, you wanted to play this character because this is kind of the, the person you are. Yeah. Uh, but I just one of the things that like when you pick casting, like we were talking about Spider Man Two, just Alfred Molina as Doc Ock is perfect. Great, yeah. I mean, I'm of the opinion now that even in not so great movies, uh, you know, like the the redone RoboCop. Mm-hmm. I'm just happy when Michael Keaton is in everything oh. because he's so good. That's what I love. And we're going to probably talk about which is better, this movie, Homecoming or Spider-Man 2. But what I like about these two films, the villains are compelling. Yes. They are tragic figures. Yes. You can't just hate them. Yeah. You know, right. there's something redeemable about them. Like with Keaton, he's just trying to provide for his family. He, has, he does not have like this massive plan to take mm. over the world. Mm-hmm. He's just doing illegal things just to simply provide for his family. Right. You know, nothing crazy, not outlandish, and I loved his performance. I yeah. also love how they, there are things, we'll get to the Tony Stark element, which I kind of have some issues with, but I love how the movie starts with Michael Keaton in the immediate aver- aftermath of Avengers and their cleanup crew yeah. and him getting kind of axed out by like the government. He got say- fucked up by the he, government. He got completely screwed over and you just... Even when you see him like as a villain, because he does become like a genuine villain... And this is something that I've always liked that Michael Keaton, like, excels at, with the exception of him playing Bruce Wayne, which is why I think people didn't think he could play Bruce Wayne in the 1989 Batman. But more, there's something about Michael Keaton that he's so credible as, like... The dark. As a... Not not just as a dark character, but but as a kind of working class... Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Like, I'm getting fucked over and that's why I'm doing this. Because yeah. he's played characters kind of like that before, but, but it's just kind of... Especially now that he's older... Yeah, there's just something about More his believable. presence on screen. Yeah, and that's that I think so what's propelling his resurgence in recent years. Yeah, it's that it, it, he's especially now that he's older. It's I don't know. He's he brings a a certain element that's difficult to see in other actors. There's also something that he excels at. Which is why, again, why he actually made a really great Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne Batman. It's what made him fantastic in Birdman. Did you guys ever see no, that? No, I saw that. I saw that. He's great in that, yeah, too. Yeah, he's excellent. There is this element about him that he... There's a, a kind of character that he plays where it's like an ordinary dude most of the time. And he's totally credible as like an ordinary working dude. But an ordinary working dude... And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's his face... Something about the quality of his acting or something mm-hmm. where you watch him on screen and you're just like, he could crack and go crazy. That car scene. That car like, scene. That's exactly that, what I was thinking. I was like, when he saw, when I saw that, the transformation, I was fucking. The shift and the transition from like this guy who's happy that his daughter's dating this guy for, in a prom yep. to... Wait a fucking minute. <laughs> yeah. You're the one who's been fucking up my heist. Yeah. I'm like, that change yeah. is so subtle. It's so subtle. It's so oh. subtle. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, that was amazing. That He pulled it off very yeah. well. And Tom Holland just being fucking deathly afraid. <laughs> yeah. And that's, why, and that's why they're just so... Those two are great because they... They they show the film shows a certain duality between the two characters where they're both grounded in in the real world where where they're both facing you know real world issues that we can all relate to you know where Michael Keaton he's blue collar he's being screwed over by the municipality and he's cleaning up a mess that is not even his mess. You know, and it happened in an earlier film in the Avengers. And meanwhile, Peter Parker, you know, he 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 likes a girl. He wants to get the girl, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know because he's a he's he's a geek. But he he also wants to impress people. He's so he's so earnest and so impressionable, and he wants to, you know, he's calling Happy Hogan every single day, letting him know, hey, look what I did today. Look, you know, he wants to be a part of a greater picture, but. You know, you see that duality between the two characters and how they're fighting their own in personal battles, and how each of them uh, faces these challenges in in very opposite ways altogether, and it comes clashing at the climax. It's it's, it's interesting because they're almost like two they're two characters dealing with like almost the same issue, and again, that car scene kills me because. Number one, just the, the, the subtle, like, we all see it on screen. I don't even know if Peter sees it in that scene that he, when he's he leans been, over, he leans that. over and he just has the gun just kind of, yeah. just kind of casually, just casually, just, just sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> and what's amazing about that is like the dialogue in that is, and it's why we were talking about like the Alfred Molina, like that he's not, he definitely 
he has killed someone before then, but it was it was an accident. Yeah. Like he wasn't expecting to kill the person, but he did. Uh, and then when he did, he was just like, nah, he was an asshole anyway. <laughs> but uh, he even in that scene is just like, I don't even know if he says it in that or I think he might actually even say it in that scene. It's just like, you seem like a good kid and like you could under different circumstances, like he, he doesn't directly say this, but I think he says something along these lines of like, you seem like a good kid who's trying to do the right thing and you seem like, you know, someone I could see is like, so you go in there, you have, you show my daughter a great time and he's not even saying, and then I never see you again. He was just like, and you give up on this whole, like, trying to stop, to stop me. Stop me. And he's just like, and he's almost saying, it was just like, if you stop, I'll leave you alone. Like, I'll keep and I'll still be, have like a side on, like, I'll still be like evil eyeing you, but it like, I, as like a dad and like still kind of as a villain, but it's just like, if you, if stay you leave, your lane, I'll it, stay he's like, lane. if you leave me alone, I'll yeah. leave you alone. And then that kind of, again, that shift of like, and if you do, I will fuck shit yeah. for you. Um, did, were you surprised when the when he opened the door? When oh he, yeah, the whole I, movie, the whole audience gasped. I did not see that. coming. No one saw that I mean, coming. Yes, the villain is always close to Spider Man, but I did not see that one coming. That was, I wasn't. It's interesting. I was. I was surprised, but I but it was only like momentary. It was kind of like I wasn't living in like I didn't live in the shock of it. It was just like it was a twist, but it was also like once I once like it was the initial opening of the door. I just went, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that totally like like yeah. I didn't see that. I didn't s- I didn't necessarily see that coming. That it was him specific. That it's I didn't. Here's what I'll say. I didn't see specifically that he was Liz's dad. Like, I didn't see specifically, like, like that part was kind of like, that was a twist that I was like, I was not expecting that he's literally Liz's at, dad. What I was expecting and why, like, seeing him at the door, I was just like, oh, he's Liz's dad. That's a surprise. But the fact that he's... Close to Spider-Man. That he's somehow close to Spider-Man, and whatnot, that wasn't a surprise to me. I was just like... In fact, that was something like halfway through the movie. I was just like, he's going to turn out to be somebody. Mm-hmm. Some, because there's always like, even in like the not, you know, Amazing Spider-Man, like it ends up being like, you know, Amazing Spider-Man, it's the guy who is lizard, Kirk Connors, like worked with his dad. Right. It always ends up being, not always, but like his most like, iconic villains with the exception of Doc Ock mm-hmm. uh, who actually in Spider-Man 2 I think they did something with that that they didn't do in the comics that yeah, actually there's maybe makes, like one or two degrees of separation that actually makes Doc Ock in the movie Spider-Man 2 more interesting in my opinion as a character for mm-hmm. a movie than he is in the comics and in the comics he's definitely kind of a weird megalomaniac like scientist type dude well, not in Superior Spider-Man he was pretty old Superior Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh but yeah, it's just like somebody it's like it's like I don't know who he's gonna turn out to be, but he's gonna turn out to be somebody. Somebody that is that is somehow tied to him. 
it's like it's gonna be like that somehow is you know Aunt May works with him or something. it's gonna be like mm-hmm. like like I said I didn't expect that he would be like Liz Allen's dad yeah. like that close but then once I saw it I was like yeah okay that totally that of course of yeah. course because what makes him more what makes that conflict more compelling than to have him be. And have it in that moment. Yeah, you know, <laughs> taking most... his daughter to the fucking prom. It's like it's like every boy's worst nightmare of like having this overbearing father. Yeah. Just having like to meet the looking, dad. You know, my you better take care of my daughter. Oh, and by the way, don't fuck with my high, so I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> yeah. And you're very hot at me. Oh, to me. We will actually let it Oh man, Marissa to me. Also, just I I didn't know whether they were going to string along. I'm glad they did. I'm glad they didn't either because it was just such a hilarious, <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> hilarious ending. Because well, normally they Wait. string they string along the Aunt May finding out that he's Spider Man. Like it's it's uh. Although even in Spider Man Two, you get the feeling that she kind of knows. But it's not explicit. It's not explicit. It's not, and yeah. this is explicit. And I just love that that's where it ends. She's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> And there was a lot of people who had mixed feelings about like having like a younger Aunt May, but I was just like, I was like, that makes sense. Number one, it's 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 Marissa to me, so I'm just like, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm happy with that, no matter what. Uh, but also, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I also feel like a great thing that they didn't, we didn't have to watch Uncle Ben die again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, or a whole origin. We did not have that father figure guiding Peter Parker. That's where I kind of accepted Tony Stark. You know? I did no, no. I do too. I do you think it was kind of overused a little bit. I don't think so. It was just enough. It okay. was just enough. Yeah, because you have to consider that this Spider-Man uh, is exists in a world with the Avengers. Yeah, and, and he got his costume from and he got his costume from Tony Stark, and so. In, it, this is the big, and this is the big difference between all of the other Spider-Man films. Is that this one understands he that he exists in a world where there are more experienced uh, uh, heroes who are are completely part of 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 a of a collective, uh, and that you know they'll call him if they need him. He's kind of on call, but he's you know he's just a kid and he's he's got to learn on his own. But you know, so he's he's constantly trying to to impress them and and because he wants to get be called again. And that's why he's you know and that's that was that was nice to see how he's he's having to fight that inner struggle where as as Queen superhero as New York superhero he's on one hand he he really he's fighting to be part of the Avengers, but on the other hand, he he needs to fight his own battles within within the city realm and understand and establish himself and establish as a himself man who exactly stand on his own. Yeah. And instead of relying on the crutch of Tony Stark and the Avengers. He has to prove himself that he's as capable of a hero. And that's as what the at the very end of the movie that was that was nice that they threw, you know, Tony threw in that that test at the end. To see if he actually understood what he was trying to convey to him all along, that you know he he needs to basically earn his stripes uh, on his own, and and you know fight his own villains, and you know he can still exist as part of a collective when he's needed. 
And also, it's I thought it was it was a nice nod to what actually happened in Civil War in the comic books. That like, essentially, he's like, here's the Iron Spider yeah. costume. It's not the because in my opinion, the actual Iron Spider costume from the comic books That's was really was really dumb looking. Yeah, this was actually pretty cool, and the fact that like he turns it down. Number one is just they're just so like like I I do think that Tony was like. That Robert Downey was overused a little bit, but I also feel like I don't feel like he shouldn't have been in the movie. Is what I'll say about that. Is is like it definitely makes a lot of sense given like Civil War. I also love the there's so many. It gave so many opportunities to have Spider Man and Peter Parker be like here is where I was in Civil War and I was involved with this whole conflict and here I am on my own, but I've still, I've now seen what the level is that I, or like the standard or whatever that I have to live up to. And also just all the stuff that like him messing with his suit and like figuring out all of that. Uh, I would have felt like that was like a little bit excessive if not for the fact that so much of it was like funny and also the way he reacts to so much of that is very in character now i was disappointed with the level of tech in the suit okay uh, really yeah i mean it's spider-man See, i actually went the with that spider- it's just enough i like, mean no me. the tech is like it makes the movie go but in terms of honoring spider-man spider-man is a very low-tech hero you know right, right. he's got his webbing and he has a spider tracer. You know, that's what he's he's known for, but he's not a Batman who has all this much tech in his suit. You know, he's not a Black Panther. So right. I kind of wanted him to be, you know, to have his suit a little more distant from the Tony Stark Iron Man thing. I mean, it was good in concept, but in terms of being saying true to who Spider-Man is, his costume is not. Yeah, I, but I think it's it was I, a but little it, bit it, of a departure. But it was, I, I, but it was interesting because they even kind of address that. Like he, when he gets all of the abilities, he's like, I just want the stuff that, <laughs> like all the stuff, like like taser webbing or all that. And he was just like, and the fact that he keeps asking, like, no, no lethal, whatever it is. The way he reacts to that, like I said, is. It is a little bit too much, but it also is an, gives an opportunity for you to see that part of that Spider-Man really is that kind of more low-tech hero. That, like, as a teenager, he's really excited that he has all this cool shit yeah. that his suit can do. But because he's, at his core, kind of more low-tech uh, hero, he's just like, no, just give me this these handful of things. <laughs> Um, also, what I think for the future Spider-Man film, I want him to stand alone. I do yeah. not want cameos because Spider-Man as a character can stand on his own. Captain America can't. He needs other he needs heroes other characters to, build to bounce him up. off of. Yeah. Um, Ragnarok. He needs other characters. Thor needs other characters to boost him up. That's why I'm really excited about Ragnarok. But with the future Spider-Man films. I kind of want him to stand alone and not use other. Yeah, I think we're gonna see that too. I think Marvel we're, heroes to help we're him out. most likely in future Spider-Man films where he's gonna be standing alone, uh, fighting you know fighting his own his own uh, uh, rogues gallery of villains. But 
you we all we are also going to see him in other Marvel films well, yeah. where where but, he's going to be he you know he's going to make an appearance or he's going to play a you know a, well the second Spider-Man movie isn't coming out until post Infinity War Wait, the first movie or I think it's po- I am not 100% on this but I think it's post the first Infinity War Okay uh uh, cause I, I think it was on Nerdist that, that they were, he was, indivi- uh, they were interviewing Tom Holland and he says he was pr- here and around promoting homecoming. And then he's go- went back to Atlanta the, to film infinity war. And then after he's done filming infinity war, they're going into film Spider-Man. I forget what the second one is. They're calling the, spi- the second one. Now I'm not sure whether it's coming out post the first infinity war or it's coming out post both of them, because uh, I haven't seen on the you know anything on the schedules of like the release date for that, so it might actually be post both of the Infinity, which just kind of makes sense okay. because then you have him kind of dealing with the he was just off again dealing with stuff that is way out of his yeah. uh, purview. Uh, and before we get back to Spider Man, also just the fact that uh, I. Th- I, if I'm remembering this correctly, just because the studio, the two studios don't get along with each other, or the two heads of studios, I don't think the Defenders are going to be in Infinity War. No. From what I've heard. Oh, really? Uh, I mean, it's fine. Keep it low Yeah, key. yeah. Keep I mean, that, kind, that makes sense. Uh, huh. I thought originally, it, 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 it was, I thought, and they were kind of mentioning originally, that the Defenders would be in Infinity War. Yeah, I read War, something about but, that, too. But they would be... Ground level. Now the question is, will they reference like this new hero in, in the Defenders? I mean, it's set in New York City, and Spider-Man is going to be grounded in New York. City. I don't think they're going to mention it no. in Defenders. Uh, I don't think so. And also, like I said, because those the head of Marvel West Coast, who is the person in charge of the movies and the person in charge of Marvel East Coast, which is a Netflix person, apparently they don't get a, like they had some big dispute years ago. Uh, Having a little bit to do with Jennifer, uh, Jessica Jones, and now like that, you mm. know. But we'll see what happens. I mean, if Spider Man could end up being like shared with Sony, which is something I'm scared about. Like Sony is still trying to dig their claws more into it. And I was just like, no. Do you see what happened when you let Marvel? Yeah, no. They deal should, with their own character. They, they should continue to to collaborate the way they 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 did with Homecoming because clearly, if they have if Marvel has tight oversight over the production, then it should turn out the the future films turned out to be should turn out to be good, if not better than than this one. But Sony has a terrible track record when it comes to their own properties and we'll see what they're gonna do with this cooperation between between um themselves and Disney. Hopefully they won't screw it up. I mean, I'm curious to what they're going to do with their standalone Venom thing. Yeah. I mean, they've got a good quality actor in Tom Hardy. Yeah. So I, I know it's going to be their own thing, but we'll see what they can do with that. Um, yeah. So what do you... So we've been debating this. Yeah. Where do you think this ranks among well, the Spider-Man that, there's, there's one or two other things I just wanted to... Number one, uh, the fact that he's so... I mean, you had this in the other Marvel movies where it's like the hero being the hero. And we discussed this on some of the other things, like the last time when we were discussing like Wonder Woman, like the hero being the hero. Mm-hmm. But I think there's something about Spider-Man that makes it even more like 
weirdly tri- tri- triumphant when he succeeds, like when he catches the elevator and like he does all of that. Like there's there was a generally again like in the theater that moment of like he's fucking succeeding mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and I found that the 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 ferry scene where he's where he's trying to save the people in the ferry was very reminiscent to the runaway train scene yeah, in Spider Man Two. Definitely, I think it was probably done in homage to that to Spider Man Two. That was a good scene. That was a good scene in that film, um, but in terms of odds being stacked against him and just like everyone's rooting for this kid even though he has superpowers yeah when the building collapses on top of him that's and he tries right to out of put, the con- that's right that's a scene directly from an issue of i think it's spectacular spider-man it's the exact it might even be in the comic books that he's i don't remember that he's actually has fought the vulture and the vulture has dropped the building on him that scene is and we will get to this in, in two seconds, but that scene more than anything else is just like, you are rooting for him. It's so a moment from the comic books that it's, so, and it's so like. Emblematic of that character. Of that character. And also the fact that like he, even though, you know, Vulture, uh, you know, even though Michael Keaton is trying to kill him, he still like saves him. Yeah. In the end. And also in the end that Michael Keaton... Staying true to the character. Also, <coughs> also similar... DC yeah. and Batman killing all these people. <laughs> also similar, similar oh. to Spider-Man 2, the fact that when he gets the opportunity, or at least just in that scene, Michael Keaton gets that scene, like that, that part to like rat him out, he decides not to. And you get to feel... like Even in that scene where he's super scary in like the car... You get the feeling it's like no, the re the, the reason why I'm I'm gonna kill wanted to kill this kid is because he was interfering with my business. And he's like, now that I'm in prison, it's like no, he's still a he's a good kid, and like, but he like you kind of have that question whether he's gonna portray so. him. I think no, I think he's transitioned to full bad guy where he wants to kill him personally. I think it's now personal for him that he doesn't want others like Corgan or whatever. You think that what that scene is? I, I think I kinda so. read it. I read it a little bit differently that he is. I don't think it's altruistic. It's a matter of I'm going to get out and this kid's going to feel my wrath. I'm, I'm going to take, okay. I kind of read it. Not, not, not so much that he's like, Oh, he's a good kid, but it's just like, I'll let him slide for, because I owe him for now, whether he shifts. But it's interesting that you read that a little bit because differently, that he's shifting. At the end, he's got everything taken away. The thing that he loves most, <laughs> his wife and his daughter, taken away from him because it's been exposed. Oh, that okay. Yeah, okay. He, That's this interesting. This is now personal. I think from looking at Michael Keaton and this full shift into being like, a conflicting family man. He's like Tony Soprano, you know. He, he, <laughs> he, you know, he kills people, but he loves his family. Now you've taken away his love. He's gonna go full bad guy, and I think he wants to get his own hands around Peter Parker's neck, and doesn't want anyone else to get to him <clears throat> aside from him. And and one more thing before we get to the whole Spider-Man Two versus Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, debate is just the the post credit scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we all got you. trolled. Oh, 
I I I would I, I literally had that feeling of like I would I would have been because there were people who were pissed off about that, and I was just like I would have really? I would have been pissed off if I wasn't laughing so hard because it's so well executed. But it's also kind of weirdly makes sense uh, with Spider Man more than it makes sense with the other films like. That that would be the post credit scene. It's like, wait, what are you, what are you, what are you expecting? That's gonna happen here. Marvel's just taking. They they know at this point that we're all staying after the credits. Well, they spoiled us. Yeah, yeah. expecting post credit scenes that will yep. lead up to big world shattering movies mm-hmm. and events, and just to like have fucking Chris Evans just <laughs> enjoy with glee. <laughs> but, 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 it's, but yeah, but it's also that Spider Man isn't. Unless you want it, you get a little preview of like what a sequel to a Spider-Man might look like. But that's really not Spider-Man. You're not getting the preview for the larger yeah. universe because Spider-Man isn't the. It's he's his own little universe. Yeah. So I am still because I've been I re, been rewatching Spider-Man two on it, and I I've been going back and forth on this on I. And I think I said this when we saw it before is I still for personal reasons because of when I saw it, you know, I think when we saw Spider-Man 2 in the theater, like the age we were at and some of the themes that were going on for me personally, I still personally like Spider-Man 2 more. I don't know whether it's a better movie. I think Spider-Man Homecoming might be a better movie overall. Uh, just like you know, even from like, you know, of course, like from a certain perspective, effects-wise, it's gonna—that's always gonna get yeah. better. Uh, emotional, even some of the emotional stuff like that when he's like lifting up the building thing, I got a little for clamped, uh, which I did not really get in Spider-Man Two. There was definitely things that you know, feelings, yeah. but uh, there wasn't a moment in Spider-Man Two where I really felt the same thing for the character as much as I felt for Peter Parker in that moment where he's lifting up the, the basically the building that has yeah. fallen on him. Uh, and there's so many things about Homecoming that I think as a movie, there's a lot less like, there's still stuff in Spider-Man 2 that I see and it makes me groan. Just, I get it, it's very cheesy. There's cheesiness that is definitely pulled from the comic books that's very kind of retro that I don't think Homecoming did any of that and I think it's for the better all of that being said I still think on a personal level I in, I like Spider-Man 2 more yeah. <laughs> but only by a little bit for its time for its time Spider-Man 2 was great yeah it pushed the envelope because Homecoming has other superhero films that it's that help educate writers on uh, providing them with a template of what works in the on the big screen. So with Spider-Man 2, they've only had like the first Spider-Man movie to build on. So I love Spider-Man 2. However, I find that it's a tie. It's a tie for me cuz I feel like I want to see I Homecoming love, again. Yeah. I love Molina just is the one who sells me on Spider-Man too because villains with Spider-Man sell the character. 
They make yeah. it compelling. And Molina did a great job. Yeah, he was excellent. Being a great Doctor Octopus. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the and that's the, the what's what's in, what these two films have in common is that you have two great actors portraying excellent villains uh, who both have you can both kind of relate to and and understand where what where it is they're coming from uh and they 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 form a a very solid duality with the protagonist spider-man uh so i i i i like spider-man too i enjoyed it and i i still think it's it's up there one of the best i would have to see homecoming again or several times to i think i agree that homecoming is a very good film um very good only very good yeah it's a very good film it's a very good film uh again i have to see it again to form a complete opinion but i don't know i i'm not sure i think there it's a very close it's a it's a very close comparison between the two i find that this of all the marvel movies right number one i don't care what you guys think guardians is going to be number one for me the first guardians i i i would still agree with that yeah i think homecoming is tied with iron man really I could see that. Maybe a little better. I might, uh, maybe I, might, a little better. I might actually go a little better. Too. Maybe a little better than Iron Man. Well, the um, villain is better. Yeah. Than it's Iron Man. Tony Stark. I mean, it's... No, not Tony Stark. RDJ. Yeah. RDJ makes the character go. And he made that franchise oh, yeah. successful. However, Spider-Man Homecoming, even though Spider-Man 2 was really anchored by Molina, mm-hmm. the cast overall in Homecoming is just superior from top to bottom to anything that Spider-Man 2 has ever had and been able to furnish. It's it's an interesting thing having now watched most of the other Spider-Man movies since. Not even intentionally, they were one on, and two. They right? were just one and two. Yeah, well, <laughs> seeing Spider-Man again, uh recently saw a good chunk of Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh it's amazing now having seen Homecoming, how much, number one, Amazing Spider-Man, as much as I did enjoy Amazing Spider-Man, the first one, mm-hmm. and as much as I enjoyed 20 minutes of Amazing Spider-Man too, <laughs> after seeing Homecoming, you see how much Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 2 got wrong did wrong oh, yeah. that it makes those watching those movies uh, Amazing Spider-Man which don't get me wrong I liked I really liked Amazing Spider-Man like the first one but ha- now having seen Homecoming I go back and you watch Amazing Spider-Man I'm just like wow there's so much that they messed up in this movie and it took seeing it done really right to realize how not right Amazing Spider yeah. the Amazing Spider-Man movies were also, going back and watching the first Spider-Man, you realize how much, and I hate to say this, how much the first Spider-Man does not hold up. Yeah, I, 
at all. I agree with you. Wait, on that. with the exception of the maybe the first Spider Man, ten minutes for Spider Man or Spider-Man. Amazing Spider Man. No, Spider Man. Spider Man with Willem Dafoe being the green go, goblin. Go back and there's maybe twenty minutes of it's campy of Spider the first Spider Man. Yeah, it's campy when he's first like discovering his powers. Yeah, that sequence, that like five or ten minute sequence, is great. There's a good chunk of. Sp- the first Spider-Man movie, yeah, that's che- it. Does not hold up at all. I did not like Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin. <laughs> um, well, Green Goblin in itself is I've I, from what I great seen, comic books, great character in the comic books. It, it, really not. They're easy very to difficult adapt. to transfer an adapted yeah. film. Yeah. Very very difficult. It, it just. Because he's just another Joker. It's too fantastical. With technology. It's just too fantastical for it to be properly... I don't know if it could ever be properly done in in, in a credible way on film. Um, Because they've done it now twice and neither time would work. (laughs) Well, I mean, I would imagine Feige and Disney will be able to pull it off. But I think that Spider-Man has such a rich rogues gallery yeah. to use they don't have to feature they don't have to right? but, but it's interesting that they, it's almost like they feel like they have to because it's interesting that you bring up the Joker because the Green Goblin is uh, people could argue that it's Venom no but historically it's not no no the Joker to Spider-Man's Batman is the Green Goblin yeah uh, and you also have Hobgoblin you doesn't a minor count. Doesn't count. count. But but uh, minor Green count. Goblin. People op- could argue that Venom is the Joker to Spider-Man's Batman, which in Venom's like, the Bane. Concept yeah, conceptually he's kind of Spider-Man's like dark side, like his alter, you know, the bad side, the bad Spider-Man essentially is what Venom and Venom is. Uh, but if you're talking about who's the primary it became venom when venom was introduced but historically it's always been the goblin uh in spider-man mythos uh which is unfortunate because the goblin as a villain norman osborne as a villain is actually great and i actually think it would be more interesting to have norman osborne as a villain in the spider-man movies but have him never be the goblin, and that's what I'm. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a val- that's a very valid point because in order, I think, in order to pro- portray Green Goblin in a credible way, he would have to be totally reimagined. Something to the to the end of like Christopher Nolan's Batman well, universe, well, but here's where he reimagined those villains in a in a credible way to fit in the universe that he was building. You would have to do something like that because the Green Goblin is. Spider-Man's Joker, but a more accurate, because I just thought of this now that I was thinking about this, the more accurate comparison when you think about who Norman Osborn is and kind of why he, he at his core, kind of hates Peter Parker and Spider-Man, he's Lex Luthor to Superman. Oh, okay. That actually, because when you think about, like, what Norman Osborn, like, in some of the comic books and like why he hates Parker is Parker. And they kind of did this in the, in amazing Spider-Man, but they did it terribly is the Peter got and succeeded at something that Norman had been trying to do to himself 
become like so he's more Lex Luthor than he's anything else. It's why Lex Luthor uh hates Superman and they did this in one of the Green Lantern comics where it's just like what do you what does Lex Luthor want more than anything in the world? It's like he wants to be Superman. Yeah. And Superman took that away from him, like that he to be like not just adored. the center not just to be the center of attention, to be adored, but also to have that power. And I think that's also kind of like Norman Osborn is Marvel's counterpart more than any other characters to Lex Luthor in the DC universe. Like mm, more than the Kingpin, like Norman Osborn. Cause if you ever read, uh, I think it was like secret invasion, like Norman Osborn becomes like president. Like he essentially does the same thing that Lex Luthor did in the DC universe. Mm. So I think if you brought in Norman Osborn to the spider, the current Spider-Man universe, that's who he'd need to be. He'd need to be like a Lex Luthor type character. Mm. Uh, and just not have him be the goblin the because I feel horror. like that's not going to work. No. Uh, you can have other people be the, the goblin. You can kind of pull, uh, however you might feel about this, I have mixed feelings about this, but a Mandarin thing. Yeah, or you know, you know what I was thinking? Iron Man. Or he could wear the mask in certain situations, kind of like Scarecrow did yeah, in yeah, Batman yeah, Begins. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, if he was dressed as a Scarecrow the entire it would be silly. Yeah. So they would have to do something to that end. So just 